All right. Welcome to the Scuttlebutt Podcast. I'm Rich, and today I have a special guest from Southern Alberta, Rod Graham. How are you today, big guy? Oh, I'm doing good. You? I'm excellent. I'm excellent. You know what? I don't know. What, what, what's the weather like there? Uh, it's really smoky. About plus 27, I think, is the hottest it's going to get. You know, yesterday the AC ran, and today I want to start a fire. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's 10 degrees here <laughs> yeah. and it's raining i'm not going to complain though man do we need the rain oh we need some rain down here for sure yeah i've uh i'm glad that uh, i'm on well water when it comes to watering my my garden because i've been pouring a lot of water on it i'm getting some good good results but it's still you it's every couple of days you're out there shuffling that, that that thing around to of course you know the big problem is when it comes to guys so the first thing when Sandy wanted a garden is that I had to have uh, a riding tractor with a rotator, right? Because we're going to do it right. <laughs> we're we're going to do yep. it right, right? So now I got a riding tractor and and, and uh, four or five five foot five foot rototiller out behind it, and, and uh, so then I, I don't know. I got I got a couple acres under under cultivation now, <laughs> so it's a lot of watering. <laughs> Let's talk about, let's get started first. Like, uh, how did you get started into trapping and where are you at? What's your country like where you trap? Well, I didn't get started until I was about, I think I was 19. The did lots of hunting before. Like every minute I could, I was hunting, but the, I was running heavy equipment for a guy after high school and and he had trapped in the winter there, we'd have some slow days and he didn't like laying me off. So he said, well, you might as well come with me for the day. So I did that. Oh, a few times the first winter and then some the second winter. And then I kind of thought it was a pretty good deal. And uh, a neighbor of uh, my dad's, he was getting older and he had a, a trap line and so I bugged him a bunch and then one day they were haying by my dad's and his wife was there and I kind of heard me and she said, yeah, you're going with Bill. He, he's, he's getting too old to be going by himself anymore and I'm not going to let him go unless you're coming with him. So, Oh, that's uh, a great way to get in there, man. Oh man. And uh, Bill had lots of experience, did he? Yeah. Yeah. He had, I started trapping with him when he was, oh, maybe 75. Oh, just well seasoned. He, <laughs> yeah, he had been trapping his whole life. And and uh, we're from southern Alberta. We're the, I guess the, the one line is the, is, um, it's about an hour and a half southwest of Calgary. And the other one's about two and a half hours southwest of Calgary. I own two different registered lines. And oh, okay, okay. Uh, so, are you in? You, you you must be then in the the foothills or or the eastern slope of the Rockies. Yeah, it's, it's so the crown land here is not a great big swath of land, but it's pretty much heavy into the foothills and then mountains is where both the trap lines are. Um, so I get a bunch of real heavy timbered foothills and then we get into 
real high elevation in the mountains. I guess not real high, but there's some sets that I'm about, I think I'm 6,800 feet where I'm, I'm setting Martin sets at. Oh, so you're above tree line then? Oh yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Lots of, lots of the passes we, we go through a pass and we're above tree line and which isn't the best because it's usually chinooked and blowing off. So yeah. snowmobiles take a shit kick in most of the winter. <laughs> I can imagine. How big are your lines? Um, well, they, I'm trying to think of the township, but it, the one's 153 square miles, which I think is just over four townships. Yeah. Yeah, it and is. The other ones, the other, the other one's right at four townships. Wow. So there's, it's big, but there's lots of rock that not trappable. The meaning the, the big valleys that I don't know, there's no animals that live in the rocks. So not very much. That, that, that's a fact. And, and, uh, and access plays a big role there too, doesn't it? Oh yeah. You know, yeah, you've my, got, you got a lot of country that you, you can't touch. You can't get there. No, which in a way is good for, see, I always say that's where my seed Martin always comes from or the valleys that I can't get into that once I trap the, the big valley out, the, the little valleys kind of seed the big one and the cycle keeps going. So you have a lot of Martin? Yeah. I did till they really logged it a bunch, but <laughs> that affected it, didn't it? Oh yeah, the, the the one line that's quite a way south of me, I figured it probably had the highest Martin population in southern Alberta. It it was really amazing that we could take in that sixty to eighty Martin a year off of it, and I did for quite a few years. But uh, now they've logged it real heavy and some of the real old growth stuff and i'm still trying to figure it out but we're doing around that 30 martin and seems pretty sustainable right now i tell you what i learned on 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 this last trap line the one i the one i have right now about uh martin and and logging in that they just don't cross those big openings they just no, don't, they don't cross those big openings at all and and uh you know you'll the, the Martin are still there. You just have to change where you go. You know, whenever I have a fresh log over block, there's nothing in there. The first thing that, that, that you'll catch back in there is links. You know, as, as soon as there's any cover at all that will cover a bunny, you know, yeah. the links will, will at least walk through. Um, once you start getting those, you know, 10 foot tall uh, aspens or whatever, going back up again, then you, you know, around the edges, you'll start getting the Mart or the, the Fisher, but Martin just, uh, just do not go through that stuff. Uh, I know um, Justin Wasasu, one of his lines up there on the, uh, I think it was on, on the Peace River. And uh, when they were logging Aspen there, and he said about uh, seven or eight years in, when all the Aspen were starting to get 12, 16 feet tall, all the volunteer stuff and that, then all of a sudden it was really good Martin country. Oh, yeah. So I don't have any... Uh, like poplar or aspen or it's all pine and spruce right there's and willow in the bottom of the valleys we don't have any uh, those trees at all so but the, the martin I, I did find 
after they logged. So the year after I did a real big, oh, explore and air, the big, the area. And I found that they'd, the Martin had moved into some spots where I'd never seen tracks before. The, um, I, I always called them dead areas of the, right. the line. And now, and now they're the most productive there is. So the Martin is still there, but they're not in their preferred area. So they've been, they've been pushed into another area. Yeah, I guess so. The, the, the one line, well, actually both lines are some of the oldest trees in Southern Alberta because the, the fire in the thirties never hit the, the two big valleys that I'm trapping. So some of those, those um, spruce trees in there, they're like three and a half feet across some of yeah. them so big stuff yeah yeah the logging yeah. companies like those ones yeah i know and that that and you know you don't want to see them go to waste but you know what what used them looks like right you know it, yeah. it, 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 it they uh, they denude the place they they just clean it flat i know i've always found it fascinating when you're dealing with an animal that you're so familiar with and and you know we we, we do a lot of a martin trapping and we do pretty good at it but when i go to see my, my son and he, he's uh got um a trapline over there by rocky mountain house and i think they top out he's on baseline mountain and i think he tops out at just under five thousand feet so he just gets above tree line in that but he catches martin up there you know and he yeah. catches martin where where i'd never catch a martin and I, I i'm just wondering if if it's just because you know they get pushed into those areas like for me i got this kind of goofy rule that i don't know when I picked up on it, but if I hang a box on a pine tree, I'm never going to catch a Martin. In it. <laughs> you know, they like to be in that, in the, uh, the willows, the willow bottoms, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the mixed, uh, the big mixed hardwood is, is really good for them. Like, uh, especially when you got lots of BAM with that, um, uh, the buck brush underneath, like the, the red dogwood and that kind of stuff. Like that is yeah. just, I have a couple of, of ridges like that on, on my trap line. And those are just the dream. And yet when yep. I go to my, my sons, you know, all of his boxes are hanging on, on pine trees, you know, it's like, you know, <laughs> and he catches this stuff above the tree line, like what you're talking about. Now I find that, I find that fascinating. So are they well, crossing over or what? I don't catch them above tree line, but right at tree line. Oh, but okay. The majority, the majority of them are down in, in the, in the bottoms of the Creek bottoms. And I don't, I don't know, like, you know, they're, you always find there's certain spots that just always catch Martin. Like you're going to put two boxes there. Cause you know, you're, it's a travel place for them. And yeah, where the other ones I've had it for enough years that we go out and I'll, usually we'll put 80 to a hundred boxes out in a couple of days. And I just know the spots where I'm going to put them now that there's no sense putting them in other spots, but. So the other thing then that, that, that I'm, I wonder about when uh, Martin are living in those mixed hardwoods and, and, uh, and in those willow bottoms a lot, they're living on voles and, and mice. Uh, yeah. When they're in the pines and that are up, up and down those mountains, they must be more on squirrel, huh? Um, you see them where they're burrowing in under the snow. So they're, I'm sure they're after voles. Well, it depends. It depends. Like, I mean, Martin can actually freeze to death. They they have so little body fat. Yeah. And yeah. they they do burrow underneath to 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 stay alive. You know, like yep. I mean, they, they need they need that snow. And you have a winter 
like last winter where we didn't have a pile of snow. That's really hard on the Martin, but I I've shown it, you know, a few times on, uh, on uh, the TV show where you can see that, you know, Martin is hanging there, but my box, and then there's a hole in the snow right below it. That's where he came up out of the snow. Right. You know, cause he's, yeah. he's down there that when, when the snow, uh, you know, the, we always talk about, you know, you got powder snow and then you got that, that um, crystallized snow. Yeah. That crystallized snow is, is caused by sublation, sub, sublimation, which means that the snow that's laying right against the, the ground and the ground never freezes. Technically it's, it stays, if it's undisturbed, it stays at around zero, zero degrees uh, Celsius. So that the, the act of sublimation is, is that snow going straight into vapor, not going through the water stage, but going straight into vapor and it rises up in, into the, into the snow. Okay. And then it goes straight back into, into a solid form again, it goes from, from solid to, to okay. vapor, back up here and from vapor to solid. And that causes that, that crystallized snow. But what that does is that moves snow away from the, the area between the uh, the bottom of the snow and the top of the ground. So they, they have all this area in there and it's called a subnivium uh, climate and they can travel around under there. The mice travel under there, yep. the weasels and the, and the martins, that kind of stuff. And that's why snow is really, really important to Martin. You know, you have uh, enough years of, of not enough snow where you have, you know, less than nine inches of snow a winter and it affects your Martin population. Well, I get lots of snow. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> my, my house is only an hour each way to either trap line. And most winters I we're bare around, around my house, but in the mountains there, I'll get, I don't know how deep it is but six or eight feet of snow and it like there's you have to have a snow machine to get around it it's, yeah uh, yeah and i bet you have one with 20 or 24 inch track <laughs> yeah i i got one with a 20 and then i still like the tundras i don't know have you ever caught yourself yelling at the tv telling the people that were hunting fishing or trapping they were doing it wrong <laughs> <laughs> I know we all do it. I do it. Well, here's your chance to come out on my trap line with Sandy and I and tell us what we're doing wrong. We are having a contest. We are giving away a three days worth of trapping out on our trap line with us. All you have to do is get yourself to Grand Prairie, Alberta, and we will take it from there. We'll pick you up. We'll take you out to the trap line and we will return your frozen carcass or, or your smiling face to the airport three days later. <laughs> All you have to be is a member of trappinginc.locals.com. Be a supporting member. The draw is on September 1st. Uh, it's really, really simple. You go there to trappinginc.locals.com, and the very first post up on the news feed, it tells you how to enter and uh, how to get in on this. We are easygoing. We are going to have a pile of fun. We are looking forward to having some new fresh faces out on the trap line with us. And you're going to be a star or a guest of an episode of Trapping Inc. Season 8. Okay? Simple, simple, folks. Don't miss out. This is a great trip. Number one thing that gets re requested of us is, how can I send my husband trapping with you guys? I'm willing to pay money. <laughs> well, maybe I shouldn't be advertising to you. I should be advertising to your wives. <laughs> Come to Trapping Inc. .locals.com and become a member. Simple. Don't miss out. 
And now let's get back to today's show. Do you really? Yep. You are far more coordinated than me, man. I get on one of them things and it's like a a bull on top of a flea and and then look out, we got a disaster happening. (laughs) No, I I quite like the Tundra. I'll always have one. Uh, Yeah? And I I really like the four-stroke motors that they're putting in these things. Yep. You don't smell after the day and you get three times the mileage out of a tank of fuel and at least three yeah at least you know what i found fascinating is everybody always talks about what do you do because a four-stroke you can't pull pull start it well you can't pull start your truck either and i just carry one of those little (laughs) tiny battery boosters literally that big and i've boosted uh a, a snowmobile, a boosted Argo, uh, that, that that kind of stuff. I've never boosted my snowmobile because I, I always take care of, uh, of my batteries. But uh, whenever we've had a snowmobile that wouldn't start, it wasn't a four-stroke; it was a two-stroke. No, you know. And and uh, when you look into into the fact of it, it's just the fact of of when it is that cold. You know, they got to vaporize that gas and oil mixture, and yeah. it becomes a problem when it get, get, gets to be so cold, right? Yeah. So I've always had the four stroke start for me and uh, man, like you can run them for forever. You know, you gas them up on Tuesday and, and again, the next Tuesday kind of thing, you know, they, they just go and go and go. Yeah. No. Uh, what uh, other critters do you chase other than Martin there? I, we don't have Fisher down here and we don't have otters, but all the rest of them we, we have, we, we got a fairly good lynx population, and um, I figure I'm at about the most northern that the bobcats are regular. That uh, I have a regular bobcat harvest. No, we don't. I don't take lots, but you no, know, three to eight a winter, kind of a thing. And you, like, I mean, I've never trapped bobcat. I don't know nothing about them. Uh, can you? actually target bobcat or is it just the same you catch them the same thing as you do lynx the same way they're in my mind they're they're easier to catch than a lynx but uh, <laughs> boy that's a put down because <laughs> the lynx is about as bright as a as a number two hb pencil <laughs> what i mean is that if i get a bobcat that comes to a cubby he goes right into it he doesn't circle around it. If he's not interested in it, he won't circle it. He just walks right past it. He'll have a, have a look. And, but just about all the time, they'll, it'll be a straight line and they go right in. And are you snaring them then? Or, or body grips. Oh, the, body, you, you get actually, them into body grips? Just about. Actually, last winter, I... I said, I'm going to, I'm not going to use a snare all winter. And I used body grips and caught my quota of, of uh, on both lines of links. We don't have a quota of Bobcat, but I did good on them too. What's, what's your quota on links? Four and an incidental on each line. So 10. Okay. okay. I, I run, um, you, you must remember the shops uh stucco pen and yep. it has it that has a 330 guarding the bait and and uh and then snares around it and that uh this year uh i set up a bunch of those a whole bunch of them because they, they've 
usually done pretty good. Yeah. And this year I got, I think 19 links, two of them in a three thirty. Really? Yep. Yeah. That, that was it. <laughs> you know, it was like, it was, it was, it, I was, I was going to make a show like going head to head that, and there wasn't much head to head to do. So <laughs> it, I, I've always done good with body grips. I don't, I don't know why, but this year I, I said, I wanted to use just all body grips. I built some movable cubbies that are like a stackable Martin box, but they're a size of three thirty and fit in them. Yeah. About two feet long with a screen on the end and, and I'm sold They're they're easy to move the, like if you had something crossing half a kilometer from where you're, you had a set, you could just take no time at all and you can move them fast. I could, I think I could put 15 in my skimmer. So, and other okay. than the cost of, other than the cost of plywood this year, I don't know <laughs> how many more I'm going to make. But <laughs> See, I haven't, I haven't built any of my replacement uh, Martin boxes yet, yet because I'm waiting for it to go down and it's starting to slide yeah. pretty good right now. So that, that, that's a good, a good point. Tell me what your secret is then, buddy. Cause I have, I probably have 24 of, uh, of what you're talking about and I haven't put them out in four years. Cause I've never had a link stick his head in one of them. I've never had, I've had them stand on top of them, but I've never yep. had a link stick their head in, in into a three thirty like that. How do you set the box up? Is there something special, special height? Yeah, I I would say I set it. Oh, eight ten inches off the ground, the the front of it. I like in spots where I'm going to get even more snow. I make sure I set it up higher, but I make sure it's off the ground so it. Basically, the triggers are at head height, and they're not going to try and put their paws in. They could, they just are kind of their head going straight in. They're not going to be crouching down to it. But so you're setting it right beside your trail. You just plop it on top of the snow and have it have the have it up eight ten inches higher than than the trail. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, or put a couple logs down and then then have it on top. Okay. Okay. Uh, and how far in do you set that trap? Oh, only maybe about that far. That's it, huh? Okay, yep. that might that might be the deal because mine, I think, I think mine were two feet deep, and I set the trap back at about a foot. Yeah, mine's not very far in, and I I was surprised this year. I never had a link circle them or nothing. They just went right into them. What do you, what are you using for bait and lure? And I tried a new thing this year again. The I've I've always used links. I usually start the year with beaver. Yeah. Then, then once I catch some links, then it's links meat gets switched out. And um, this year I used all deer butcher scraps. Really? Yep. And I'll continue using that because I'll use a spinal column of a deer. You know. Got lots of bone and yeah, a little bit of meat and everything. And and only lynx go to it. You don't have any problems with with coyotes or or fox or, I guess fox well, wouldn't matter. He's he. he I caught I, I caught quite a few foxes here in the boxes that the and I don't catch many fox down here, but the I, I don't know. I I caught 
dozen fox or half a dozen fox in in those boxes this year. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Cool. Found a custom Martin in them too. <laughs> not, they're not targeted, but I I did once too, uh, and it is the most hilarious thing because you know you've got this little tiny Martin and you got that three thirty, and I mean you're. Your triggers are, are set about like that for you yep. know those trigger wires about like that. So I mean, they could go in two by two like they're going onto the arc oh, through yeah. there and not get caught. Well, I'm going along and I'm and and it was frustrating. This was the first year of uh, of trying these things and I was frustrated as all heck. And and you know the cats would walk by. I couldn't even prove that the cat went like that and looked sideways at him. You know, I couldn't even oh, prove that because it was just like these tracks going straight on by. And I was using every lure everybody had ever dreamt of and everything else. <laughs> And uh, I had uh, I shot a chicken and, you know, I, so I got uh, I breasted it out and here's this, the chicken legs. And it was it I'd, I'd thrown it in the freezer from from earlier in the year. And it, it's, you know, so long. Right. And I take and pull a pull a trap out, throw it back in there. And then I come back the next time. And here's a Martin. And he's caught in that 330. He had that chicken sideways. <laughs> His mouth yeah. going out. And he's caught right there with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i've tried all, every kind of bait you can think of because i'm i've had lots of the same way that there's two or three weeks left in the season i haven't caught a thing they're just walking by and i just try anything you can think of one year the neighbor was doing a bunch of ice fishing and i had a whole bunch of uh, pike carcasses that I, I put in and it, that was the ticket that they wanted that year. I don't know if it was just something different or that uh, I, I they were walking that... by everything else and in two weeks I caught 10 links so well you got to pay attention to that kind of stuff. I mean then the next see... year I used the pike and I never caught anything yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was some secret bait in there and that uh I had a I had a, a unique thing go. Um, I have I don't know like a hundred pins on my like, and I just do I don't do coveys like like you do, or I have them, but I haven't been using them. But I do just snare pins, right? Yep. And I have a you know my stick is in there, and it's got my homemade lure on it. And I most no no bait, just that, right? You know, I mean, yep. if if you catch a flying squirrel or something, you might hang that in there too, but that not not very often if, if i keep the bait out then i don't have problems with with the uh, coyotes and fox you know pushing their way in and and ripping everything up right because yeah. they won't go through where you want them to go through they'll, they'll come around back and and go through and to get that that flying squirrel or whatever but i would just take and leave those my lure sticks in there and then it was a joke for a couple of years you know you'd be, you'd be out in october or uh, you know, before the season would start and there'd be a little snow or whatever. And you'd see where the links had gone into the pens and they would pull those sticks out and they would roll on them and they'd pee on them and stuff like that. And we'd laugh about it. And, and uh, then I got thinking, you know, I haven't put anything on that. There's not been any, any lure, fresh lure put on that stick since, since back in January. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and yet it still was attracting them. And most lures that you use are curiosity lures. Right. And, yeah. You don't want that cat to go, you know, uh, solve solve his curiosity about that that lure before the season. And so I had it where my lure was catching less and less and less, and and I was I was actually catching more with the 
with with the bait, right? In in those those stucco pens and that. I wasn't catching more. I mean, I was it was like one third, two third, but I was actually having cats walking by, and I, and I got thinking, you know what? Maybe I'm stupid leaving those those bait sticks in there. You know, you think yeah. it, I think there's no smell there, but they obviously still smell it. So I started oh, yeah. pulling my bait sticks. And last year was the first year that we're, where I'm, I put the bait stick back in. Boom. Walk right up. March right in. Game over. Call the morgue. <laughs> I've, I've tried the bait sticks and I don't have much luck with it. I, I don't know why. I'm sure I'm using the same lure that you're using. Oh. The, Mine's cooking out back right now. <laughs> yeah, I got I always save it. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, animals are different everywhere, right? You know, you're, oh, yeah. you're talking about uh, fish carcasses, and, and uh, I got friends that, um, you know, back in Ontario, and they have all very unique ways in that to catch otter because, you know, otter cause problems, especially if they get on the docks and on the, into the boats and all that kind of stuff, and they're eating fish and they're making a mess, right? And yep. one guy was talking about how he, he would take in and um, uh, put a, I think it was a 280 in a, in a square mouth bucket. And he'd, he'd weighed it so that it was laying horizontally. And then he just put it just underneath the surface of the water under the dock. And in the back, he would hang a, a CD. And of course, that CD with the, with the waves and all that, it would be flashing all that. And he'd catch otter going in there all the time. You know, it's, it's, it's a pure visual thing, which to me is very, very attractive to, to one of the animals, like an otter. Um, And then another guy would talk about how he baited otter. Well, I have never had an otter respond to bait or lure ever. All mine are caught blind, you know? And I mean, I could go out in the first week of uh, otter season. And if I were, uh, if I were to set out two dozen traps, I I would have my, my 12 otter in, in a week. You know, I'm, oh, I'm yeah. allowed, I'm allowed 12 just cause they're so easy when, 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 uh, when things are froze up in that, but I have put out boxes that I put carcasses in and the same thing, like you're talking about an otter go right by them, you know, yep. and the mink could go in and out of them until they, they, they would bugger up and, and trip at three thirty or whatever, but they would actually, you know, the otter would go right by them. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know what that's all about. Wasn't it fresh? I mean, it, it was pike and, and whitefish, you know? Crackers was there. Maybe, maybe was they there. like to catch their own. I don't know. <laughs> well, otter are very, very fat. Matter of fact, I, I delivered a bunch of carcasses to a um, uh, biologist uh, doing a study at uh, the U of A this year, and they and they wanted to see the effects of uh, parasites on on otter and mink, and so they wanted carcasses. And and I says, well, I would really be interested in, in, in your results because my otter and mink are really, really fat, and. And he, he says, what do you mean fat? Well, I says, when I skin them, of course, a lot of the fat pulls off on the hide, right? And yeah. uh, co- comes with it. But, you know, I, I have a weight in the hide and the fat with, with the fat on it before it was flesh would be six and a half pounds. And it would be, you know, two and three quarter pounds when, when after, after it was flesh. That's a lot yeah. of, that's a lot of fat on a, you know, a 25 pound otter, right? And uh, so he was fascinated because he, he said that that wasn't, uh, you know, he hadn't seen that, seen that, that level of fat in that. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens. I, I delivered them to him and it was like a drug deal in the parking lot of Costco in, in Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, this is back in, <laughs> this is back in March. And so everybody's wearing masks and <laughs> it was, it was just perfect. right? <laughs> hey folks, Rich here with some exciting news from trappinginc.com. We were listening when you said you wanted more clothing. And we heard you loud and clear. 
We've expanded our clothing line. More colors, men's, ladies, and children's sizes. More variety. Living off grid gives more time for the creative juices to flow. New humorous observations are added weekly, as well as our classic Trapping Ink logo. We have joined forces with Tee Public. You can find our Tee Public storefront from the store page on trappinginc.com. Just go to www.trappinginc.com forward slash shop and just scroll down to find the link for our Trapping Ink storefront. Or you can go to tpublic.com and enter Trapping Ink TV in the search bar at the top. Check it out. Big sales every month and you can save up to 35%. Don't miss out. Get your favorite gear today. And now let's get back to today's show. <laughs> well, I was talking with Mark Sharpie last night from uh, New York, Catskills in New York, and he catches a lot of mink there. And so I said, so what's it like to flesh your mink? And it sounds like to flesh his mink is, is a lot like fleshing our, one of our Martin. Very, very yeah. little fat. You know? Ours have lots of fat. Well, and he's just like, you've got to be careful that you don't take the, don't take the saddle off because you'll damage it. Well, I have to take the saddle off. There's, there, there's an eighth of an inch of fat underneath it, you know? So you must have then, uh, do you target coyotes a lot or, or wolves or canines or? I target everything the same. Yeah. Uh, Certain ones I target a little harder over certain times of the year, but the, I trap everything that, that, uh, I can trap the muskrats, coyote. I haven't did muskrats for the last couple of years, just too busy, but the, I always do beaver in the spring and I do some beaver in, in the winter, but, uh, I do lots of, we do lots of coyotes around home and private land. The, my son's probably well he's not catching more than me now but he's doing pretty good here if he'd forget about girls a little bit more he'd he'd probably be he catch lots has he got to be that age has he <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> last time i seen him he was he was more interested in skinning a fox than, than anything else <laughs> yeah no and he catches lots when when he was 14 he bought himself a brand new 250 dirt bike with coyote money. Oh, good for him. Yeah, no see. God bless him. That's that's we need more more kids like that. Need more parents he, like rate raising kids like that. <laughs> the, before he could drive the he took all my good baits that were close enough that the side by side could drive gravel roads to. He he claimed all of them. <laughs> he he knew which ones were the big producer ones. So uh, <laughs> for for your coyotes and foxes and yeah, coyotes. We don't have many fox at all. It's only the last year or two that the um, we're catch. We've caught quite a few fox, but well, whenever the coyotes are high, I mean, what, the number one thing that a, fo- a coyote eats is a fox. And yeah. whenever the coyotes are, are are high, then there's not a lot of fox. Now, I don't know. This is just don't quote me on this. It's just a personal idea, but you know, we are hard on the on the coyotes right now because they're 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 worth good money. It's not like it's reduced the coyote numbers that I can see very much as far as what gets shipped and all, but it seems like as the coyotes are getting targeted more, the fox are coming back more. I actually caught a fox on, on, on uh, actually I cut two fox last year on, on my coyote baits and I've never, never seen a fox in the uh, agriculture around here. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, in the past, I've caught a few fox in footholds and 
I've let them go. <laughs> they catch more. They catch more mice around the house than anything. So, and then they're not. They weren't worth much, but now no. they're even worth. They're even worth less. They were always twenty, thirty dollars, but I sent in. Oh, I don't know. Few that I didn't want to tan this year. That the, I think, the four fox. It was under twenty dollars that I got for them. I know, I know. I my muskrats usually pay for my fuel every year, and you know, you get five hundred to a thousand muskrats. Well, this year, all of a sudden, they were, um, you know, they were hitting six, seven bucks U.S. Yeah. for for muskrats, and uh, other that and that, but that was for two x and three x, right? Uh, and I, because I do a lot of, my, most of my muskrat trapping happens in the fall. So you catch the little ones, right? You catch some of those little guys yeah. and the extra smalls went for 25 cents each. So you got four for a buck, you know, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't, a, wasn't a big payday there by any means. I, I traps, uh, we target wolves quite a bit on, okay. on the registered line and then, on some private land for some some of the big ranches down here that they want me to come in and and uh, we usually do pretty good. How do you how do you target them? Do you bait piles of snares or do you foothold? What do you do? I'd prefer to foothold all of them, but the ones in the mountains are too far away to have the our check time, so they're usually snared. And I'll do. Oh, two or three weeks. If I got them coming regularly, then I'll go and lay some, some steel in the ground and, and, uh, take advantage of that. But the 48 hour check times. Yeah. Um, are ridiculous, but I, I, I know what you're saying. And, and, and for me, my wolves come and they show up and they're, they, they might spend one or two nights on a bait. That's it. And then they're gone. And then they, they may not come back that winter. So to try and run a foothold for that stuff, it just, just doesn't work. I, yeah, much to my chagrin, I would, I would love for to, to, to be able to foothold more, more of them. Why do you like to catch them in a foothold as compared to a snare? They're always wary at a bait pile. Wolf is, I don't know the, you're just using piss sets and turds. The, they don't get wary about it. I don't know. And oh, I think I see. You, you more can can take the whole pack in that way because the the dominant ones are the first ones to pee on a piss post. So the, once you get the male or the female, the pack they they stay around. Yeah, yeah. I I've had that. I've 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 got lucky and uh, I've nailed the uh, the female alpha a couple different times and. And you'll end up catching the rest, the, the pups. Never, never, only once I ever catch the male alpha. alpha but uh, it, uh, they do hang around. It, it sure throws a, a, a wrench into the, into everything for them. Yeah, the, and I found that too. If I've snared the the main female, you won't ever get a big male in there. You'll catch all the pups though. Yeah, but he's he won't come back to it. But with a, a foot trap. The they'll come back to it. He's he's coming to go and find her. The I don't know. Well, I th I don't think there's any association with that bait because I mean they're always leery yeah. around that bait because 
they know they know it's your bait you know yeah uh the best wolfer i ever had anything to do with was morley and and he said you know this is this is your bait and they know that they're sharing it with you and he said but if you bring somebody else with you he said they shouldn't get out of the machine because that's gonna that's gonna make them leery for a little bit of time as well and i i, I found it interesting he says you know but they do associate a, a certain amount of danger with that bait you know and he he did made a lot of adaptations oh yeah to overcome that danger like by by putting the bait downhill and so when they come to it they'd be looking yeah. downhill and and you know so he says they're they're actually looking over top that snare and they'll run their heads through the snare and that kind of stuff and it's fascinating how, how you know how he'd reasoned it out right but that that danger is is a big deal where when it's just out along the trail somewhere where they they pee all the time you know like yeah. i mean that and you know when you travel your your trap line a lot a lot that, that uh you know where they're going to pee when you see you got fresh wolves on on your trail now you know where where the spots are going to be don't you oh the the one line that i've owned for oh close to 20 years there's pee posts there that they've been used for that long they're used every winter yeah 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 uh, and you you can take all of those wolves out of there and for some the, the new pack will start using that pee post again you know it's really funny uh, I had an old trapper tell me this. He says the best if you're going to be doing coyotes, canines, and I, he says the best thing you can do is, is have your dog along with you. Because he said, okay. you watch where your dog, the the weed or the tree or whatever that the dog picks out to go pee on. He says that's the same one that the coyotes have either already peed on or or will pee on. And it's yep. funny because you know you, as you walk along, and I walk with my dogs every night on my on my home quarter, and uh, it is you think that that is the the one that sticks out that's the one that you know that, that's the main object and all that and it won't be that one you know yeah. sometimes it will but 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 it, but it isn't always right it's like when they plow roads here in the winter time and, and you get a, a lump of dirt gets up on the on the plow ridge and it and it gets melted out and it rolls down you know it's dark and all that well every yeah. coyote that comes down the down the that road goes over there and pees on it right links do too links do the exact same thing they go over and pee on that lump lump as well that one, that one, you know, I mean, it's, it's got a flashing neon line, there's a sign on it, so I should be able to see it. But <laughs> it's the trees and that that, that that just blow me away. You know, I, I, yeah. I miss that all the time, right? But I take my, a dog with me trapping all the time. It, until I got snare set, the, some of the best snare sets I've ever had were, it, I put baits downhill on a real si steep side hills, but I'll wait till we get a good skiff of snow and we can't start snaring until December 1st because of the G bears down here. But the, then I'll, the, I'll take my dog and another dog that they like playing together and let them go through the, through where we're going to set snares. And then you set on, set on those dogs tracks and you wonder sometimes why are they running consistently through the one spots and they got a different view and they're running full tilt after each other where they want to go. So that's and, fascinating. And it's, worked, it's worked really good. So do you avoid walking on those trails? No, I, you can't avoid cause you got to go set on them, but right. The, the wolves are so goofy. Last winter, I had a tough time at the one bait. They'd visit the edges 
and I mean the edges. We're 120 yards from the bait is where some of the snares are. And they would just, they knew. I don't know what it was. And then the one time they, they came in, I think there were six in the pack. Four of them followed my snow boot tracks through the whole snare set. They never went in one snare. They, they followed my track, like in my boot prints. <laughs> and they never did come back after, after that. They didn't eat on any of the bait. They just came in and. Isn't that decided. amazing? Oh, they're so frustrating. I, I was footholding wolves this winter and, and uh, I caught the first three. The, I caught the male and the female and then, then a younger one. See, like a 65, 70 pound wolf and. And there must have been another big wolf in there with them. And I caught it, but a rock had jammed in the in the jaws of the trap and it, and it managed <laughs> to pull its foot out. Well, oh. they avoided anything to do with a snowmobile track the rest of the winter. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. I had and, a fella tell And me I know that. better. I've, I've trapped so many coyotes that I've had that happen, but some reason I thought the, these great big wolf traps are so powerful. It just crushed these little sandstone rock and, but it jammed it up. And do you have a favorite wolf trap? Yeah. I, I use all Dan Lay's traps. Yeah. The, I'm a big guy and I need setters to set them pretty much. I'm, like, I'm a big could, guy too, and I, I was just gonna say, like, I, I would need, I, I need setters because I, I can't jump on them hard enough to, <laughs> to get them well, to go. I, they've got a technique where you can reach down the end, that you actually pull yourself down and you pull the levers down on them. But the, I prefer to use this. I can set any wolf trap out there by hand, but I can't set a, a lane number seventy six or whatever they want to call it. Seventy six, yeah, yeah, heck of a trap. Heck of a trap. Yeah, they're strong. They're, I've had them. We get so many Chinooks coming through where it's a thaw and then freeze. And they're the only ones that would consistently fire out of that crusted snow. Where, And I've bought every wolf trap there is out there and tried them. And it, uh, these ones will, they'll come out of that crusted snow. And, you know, not all the time, but. A lot better than most of them yeah yeah and then they, they've passed the the standards test here lately so they just yep. needed laminated and i wrote an article about about that and about how the, the what i thought of the standards because <clears throat> i didn't think it was really fair i mean uh there was standards to make those traps pass and so they all had to have a certain amount of offset they had to be a certain amount of lamination uh they had to be center swiveled all that so we've already designed everything every trap they should be able to look at every trap and and, and pass it they shouldn't even have to go trapping with it well when it turns out we, what's actually more important is is you know the, the actual trapper what he does how many swivels he has on the on the chain and whether whether or not it's in you know there's a lot of grass that can make everything bind up and that it's more best practices that, that that's important there than the actual trap so things like the, the dan lay didn't pass the, the first time and that irked me coro didn't pass that irked me because i mean they they already have all of the the features that they're supposed to have to be to be a, a 
an acceptable trap, but yet they, they, they didn't certify them. So it it, it was kind of uh, funny. I, I wrote that article, I think, back in June or whatever. And then it was uh, what September, October, when they started bringing out addendums to the uh, uh, to the regulations and saying that these traps had, had all passed. And Hey folks, Rich from Trapping Inc. TV here, and it's no secret that I'm a big fan of coffee. Our friends at Old Smokes smoke roast their coffee beans over wood fires. You have no idea how good coffee can taste until it's smoked coffee. Did you know that studies have shown that just the smell of fresh coffee can boost brain activity? Yeah, it's that good. Sandy and I have teamed up with Old Smokes Coffee to make our own Trapping Ink coffee blend. Let me introduce you to Wolverine, an ultra dark roast coffee bean smoked over maplewood fires. This is the pure, uncut trapper's fuel that keeps us laughing and trapping all day long. If you'd like to try our special blend, you can find it at www.trappinginc.com forward slash shop. If dark roast isn't your thing, Old Smokes has five different coffee roasts from light to extra dark, each roasted over a different wood for a unique flavor. Right now, you can order from their online store and use our promo code RICH, that's R-I-C-H, and get 10% off your entire order. Just go to www.oldsmokescoffee.com. That's O-L-E, smokescoffee.com, and use the promo code RICH. That is promo code RICH for 10% off your entire order. And now let's get back to today's show. If I was going to say one thing to Dan Lay, he needs a better swivel on the bottom of his trap. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, that yeah, no. to, to me on a trap, especially a trap, what's that trap weigh? Seven and a half, eight and a quarter pounds, something like that? It's one of the lighter ones. I don't uh, know. Well, LeBron is the biggest and it's, it's about, yeah. it's nine pounds or just under nine pounds. Maybe it's, maybe it's like seven pounds, something like that for, for that Dan Lay, but it doesn't have, a really good swivel, I don't think. You know, I mean, it, no, it was, you got to put swivels in line with it. So we always do, that, like, yeah. That that coral trap's a good trap. I have never caught one in it, but I've I only own one of them. But one day I'm going to catch one in them. Well, uh, I I I use it a fair amount, and uh, and it's really funny because uh, one of the conservation officers and he's the head of uh, of enforcement out of out of Peace River and that so he's the guy that I deal with on my on my trap line that he says that's my favorite trap he says I don't know what I'm going to do now you know because <laughs> yeah. he does they, you know they have to do uh, pest control on some of the the, the remote um, cattle leases and that kind of stuff right and you know he he says he can't understand it either but you know it, they they end up with I mean pass or fail depends on whether or not there's foot damage well if that animal can wind that up he's going to get foot damage right i mean it's it's that simple so i mean it comes down to then if you've got enough uh you know how your chain setup is and how many swivels you have that 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 kind of stuff right and i've found too the the wolf traps have to be strong enough that that foot doesn't slide in the jaws the what i do for work i I do a lot of custom skinning. So I see a lot of wolves that are caught in those traps that are, are on the, on the weaker side. I think that their foot can slide in the jaws and, and uh, it does more foot damage than a really strong trap that just holds it in one spot. I couldn't believe like the Victor number four or something uh, for spring and is actually approved for, and it, I've seen them get bent into a circle, like where the, where the base plate on them is bent, like, you know, like, and so that animal is, is pulling hard to do, 
to to do that. And I, to me, that, that that that's that's not right. You know, what uh, one of uh, you know one of the things you have to think about is is the animal that that, that you know if the animal feels like it's winning, like if it's if it does get that trap to move or or get loose on its yeah. foot, then it fights that much harder, right? Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about your, uh, you, you do a lot of custom skinning, huh? I used to do lots. I don't so much anymore, but. Uh, you tan? You have, you have a tanning yeah. business? Yeah. That's, that's what I do full time is, is uh, run a tannery. Probably 90%, 95 is just for taxidermists. Oh, okay. Is majority of what I'm doing. You do work, work for taxidermists? Oh, about six taxidermists, and that keeps me busy. The all the fall animals are done by spring, and then all the spring bears are done by fall. And it's good. I got a good cycle going now here. And what, what's the worst animal to tan? Zebra. Zebra. Oh, <laughs> on the zebra, yeah, or. Cape buffalo are awful too. Yeah, whatever whatever they do over in Africa, they they dip it in something and it it turns the hide to concrete. Yeah, yeah. Zebra's got a shield on on their their ass end that is oh I don't know it's hard as plastic. Really? It, yeah, I, I I guess it's just a protection thing when the lions or whatever's attacking them that can grab them on the ass they can't get their claws into their ass it's like, funny that you mentioned that because i have pictures like we, we last time we were in africa we went to kruger and there are just there are zebra everywhere there you take a lot of pictures that you don't even realize what you're taking pictures of and there was several of them where you could take a look at the the picture afterwards and you'd notice that their their stripe on them would have a dip in it you know and what it is, you'd realize that they something had grabbed them on the on the butt, and they had you know tore open their hide enough to for it to show when it's scarred up, and that, that to show on the on those uh, uh, on the stripe side. It's pretty fascinating. I think Sandy shot a, a zebra that had, has uh, was on the front leg or on the side. Same thing. It had the hide had been tore open on it once, and, and managed to heal up oh, and yeah. survive. I see the inside of it, so I see all the scars. On, on the leather side and you can tell that they've they've been grabbed on both sides with by a cat or you know there's four claw marks that are foot long down them or yeah well yeah. they must thin the uh the giraffe before they send them then i've never taken a giraffe in okay because i know on the neck on them there there's like an inch and a half oh and, yeah and so they do a lot of what do they call it when they thin the hide, what, what, what's what's the actual term for that? Shaving. Yes. Yeah, that's yep. right. They shave it with a wheel. It's kind of cool. Yep. And I, I I watched them do it at a taxidermist in 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 Africa, and they'd peel off these big old these big old uh, curls of it. I'm I'm guessing there's a heck of an act to it because it looks like something I could use to wreck something in a big hurry. <laughs> I I sit at a shaver for six to eight hours a day every day. Really. Yeah, every, every animal's got to be thinned to oh, for a aware. tan to take proper. Yeah. So even like like a wolf or uh, lynx, yeah. Yeah. You, you thin them. Just 
not very much, but you got to take a layer off so the the fibers of the leather, the the tan can can go into the leather. I wasn't aware of that, huh? Yeah. You know, you you can get a tan without doing it, but you can, you get a lot better tan if they are thin. Okay. Uh, like the ne the necks are way thicker than anywhere else, even on links. The they're quite thick on the neck and not thick, but comparably to their belly, their their belly's like tissue paper and the yeah yeah yeah. Fisher are terrible on the neck. You get a big old dog Fisher. I I got my biggest Fisher ever last last winter, sixteen pounds, and. Oh, yeah. I've caught them to uh, 14 and a little over 14 pounds and, and, you know, them shove, they'll, they'll shove their head into 120 and it'll do the job. This 16 pounder filled that, that 160, you know, it was, <laughs> it was, it was impressive. I was so excited. I brought it home and, and I weighed it and I, and I had to wait till uh, the, uh, it had thawed enough so I could take the trap off them and that yep. 16 pounds, zero, not, not one ounce more or one ounce less. It was at 16 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> but I understand that they can get it to be 20 pounds or bigger. Oh yeah. Would people tell me from, from, from back East and not that I'm a doubting Thomas, but I'm a doubting Thomas. And, and it's, it, yeah. it's like, uh, I think you've caught the largest links I've ever heard of 32 pounds or something. Uh, I got one that was 38 pounds, 38. Okay. So yeah. I've never broke 30 pounds with links. The every winter we get one or two over 30 pounds. The, wow, I could cut two this year. There were thirty-four pounds. Uh, yeah. Big males, yep. Yeah. And it's usually about the end of February when they're starting to travel. Yeah, yeah. End of February? You can't trap then. February? No, no. The end of January. Yeah. Start of <laughs> February. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. That I would almost give up the whole rest of the season for the for the first week and the last two weeks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, for like lynx, yeah, you can really target the males at that time of the year with urine. I found urine works the best, and I never really realized it before, but I caught a female one time, and she pissed on my boots after we dispatched her. And my next trip out... I had all them Tom links following my boot tracks from the snowmobile anywhere I would go to every set. Really? But, and I was, I was like, well, I remember that female peed on me, got it all over my boot. Well, they, they she must've been in heat and they were looking for her. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I mean, it's just like when I talked about earlier about the sticks that we, the bait sticks we'd leave in and they hadn't had nothing on them for eight months nine months, 10 months, and and the links were pulling them out and still paying attention to them. Their sense of smell. I, I wish, I wish I could see what goes on in their brain when they're, when they're smelling. Yeah. It's just like walking with your dog, right? And your dog will be running hard on my, my two uh, bird dogs be running hard. And all of a sudden they'll both, they'll both go into a big skid and they'll turn around and their nose come back to the same spot and look at it. And it's just like, so is it like, a picture comes up in their brain or, or what happens? That would be so cool to see, you know, if we ever, oh, yeah. if we could ever figure, figure that out. Oh, I got a, I got a moose, a moose with a, and she's got a little baby walking across the front yard. <laughs> it would be, it would be so cool to, to, uh, to, to see what, whatever goes on inside that brain. Cause that would sh sure make it take another level of, of, uh, 
communication, wouldn't it? You know, you yeah. give you some oh, ideas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're, you're talking about your dogs. I use them at the snare sets. And then I didn't last year, but for a long time before I go about three hours east of my place and, and trap out in the bald prairie coyotes. But I'd use my dog. He, he digs all my dirt holes. He digs every one of them. Yeah. And he takes him no time. I, all I got to do is tell him to dig and he'll dig until he, he'll bury himself. <laughs> but uh, it works really good for me because then all of his scent is in there. And I, but he, he hates the traps because I don't bring any of the traps out. Once he's done digging, I pull a trap out and he's going to sit inside the truck. <laughs> he, got caught, he got caught once and that's enough but yep he'll dig them i'll have to show you if we ever get together the again, oh that's uh, fascinating you just he'll tell dig, him to- he'll yep i just tell him to dig I'll, I'll show him a spot on the ground where i want and he'll just start digging oh man <laughs> oh man don't tell me it's a lab nope oh, okay good Oh, a Springer Spaniel? Yeah. I can believe that. We had a Brittany. We had a Brittany, yeah. and she she was bright enough to to pass uh to pass a sixth grade math test. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You could literally be sitting around the campfire and she'd be bugging you and you'd say, Well, go go get a go go get a stick. I'll throw it for you. She'd go get a stick, you know, that, that kind of stuff, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, sir, I have uh, we're coming up on our hour here. I promised you I'd, I'd only take you up for an hour. Oh, no, it sounds good. And uh, I have really uh, enjoyed talking with you that, you know, that this is the part that I hate. I've hated most about uh, this whole virus thing is that we haven't been able to see nobody. You oh, know? yeah. No, it's, uh... we're, we're, we're so used to being able to visit with everybody and, and uh, especially the trapping community. It's a little smaller than, than most. So everybody knows one, one another and we, it just hasn't been happening. And, uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to, to that changing. Yeah, me too. No. There's friends all over Alberta that I haven't seen for a year and a half or whatever. So yeah, yeah, exactly. You uh, you were saying that there there's a uh, get together on the 24th, July 24th. Yeah, the Rimby. It's something last Mountain Hall or where were you if, if people were looking for it, where where would they look? Um, is there a like a, a website or they you should go to which? Which trapping association? It's the West Central okay. Trapping Association. So I I don't know. So Gary Garberson emailed me all the details. So I think I've seen if anybody out there is interested and wants to go, Alberta Outdoorsman under the trapping section. I think they've posted that they have uh, Gary oh, has has a site has a, has a post up there so if you go to alberta outdoorsman and uh, go to the to the trapping forum uh, you'll find all all the information sounds like it's gonna be fun i don't know if i don't know if we can we, we're trying to get there uh we're we, yep. uh we, we'd love to uh the biggest problem is is that now that the world is kind of loosened up a little bit everybody is uh, we, we need a kennel for our dogs and and uh our, our kennel lady is is busy so we'll, we'll see what's going to happen <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> well i hope to see you there well we're, we're trying we're trying we want badly and i'm going to thank you get out of this here i thank you very much for your time i thank you for sharing some knowledge with us 
Yeah, you bet. And uh, I hope everybody else out there, I hope you had as much fun as many laughs as we did today. And uh, maybe we'll see you down the line. Take care. <laughs>